Hi, Michelle. Hi. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Belated New Year. You must be sick of hearing about the New Year. <laughs> uh, hopefully you're remembering to write uh, write the New Year at whenever you put a, a date down. Uh, oh, I know that's always a little bit of a little bit of transition time. I'm the worst. Sometimes it takes me two, three months to get there. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah, um, just wanted to check in with y'all. This will be a really relatively short episode today. Uh, we thought it might be a little bit fun to just kind of randomize it a little bit compared to the very structured, very serious conversation we had last episode. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really it was really fun though. Yeah, having Gabriel on was was lovely. Um, new friend of the podcast. I enjoyed yeah. the conversation. Yes, exactly. I think, um, yeah, I think today we had a fun idea. It was, it was Stephanie's idea recently. Um, I don't know to give like context to things, but so inserting usually when we record this, I know sometimes we tell you like where we are in our our places and our homes. Like I'll say like before I've been like, oh, I'm on the couch. I'm like next to a candle or I'm in like the, I don't know, like, my dining room table here. And I know we also talked about trying to set up like a like in our big dreams, like have a fancy recording studio set up, like very soundproof and all this stuff. Um, so most of the time we're recording like the living room areas of our homes and stuff. So uh, in a recent conversation, Stephanie was like, you know, it'd be fine of like to give Interrobank kind of this perspective of like where we're at in space is just like describe like what are we looking at whenever we're recording or like what's in front of us because. Um, both Steph and I kind of always have like books around or knickknacks or craft projects or something. Um, Stephanie, particularly where her desk is at. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to do kind of like a, a news desk correspondent kind of dynamic. It'd be like, Stephanie, what do you have in front of you right now? And we'll just, we just grabs whatever she's in front of her and we kind of just see what, what's going on in her life. So that was, uh, that was kind of the idea and we'll just kind of see where it takes us. Uh, so I will ask. <laughs> Stephanie, what do you I, have? I have I have quite a few books around and like knickknacks and rocks and like Christmas lights, but the Christmas lights stay up here around because I need to illuminate my bookshelf. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, I figured that we have I have uh, an eclectic range, I suppose one might say, of uh, books, and I was wondering if you could put some suggestions about a particular genre. It could be general it could be very specific anything mystery let's see if you have any, any mystery like the, yeah. mystery let's see what kind of mystery are you looking for are you thinking like um maurice leblanc you know the the arson lupin are we talking agatha christie um let's see what else what other mysteries do i have i have like some historical mystery stuff but i'm yes. not sure how much it borders on the conspiracy side <laughs> That sounds interesting, though. Um, let's see. There's one called the Secret Supper. Um, I have the the books relatively organized. Some of them are in like sci-fi areas. Some of them are in like you know, uh, uh, like classics areas. Mm-hmm. And then I think mysteries just kind of scattered throughout. So that's probably one of the few that is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the secret suppers are, and maybe this is not a mystery, but so it looks a hard, like it's a hard. Co- okay. It's a hard cover. It's written by Javier Sierra, 
it looks like it's about something from the Last Supper, and like in the Bible, like the well, the Leonardo da Vinci painting, The Last Supper. Oh, okay. Um, and it says that the painting. Uh, okay, so Alexander Pope Alexander the Sixth wants to execute Leonardo da Vinci, um, because he realizes that the painting contains clues that have a baffling and potentially blasphemous message um, that it, that he is driven to decode because the Holy Grail and Euchar- Eucharistic bread is missing. When and was this they written? Have to, they have to find it. I bought this for $3. It's hardback. Perfect condition for $3. When was this written? Um, 2004 is when this was published. <laughs> Because it it strikes a chord of resemblance for me for Da Vinci um, Code. Dan, the, yeah, Da Vinci Code. Would you call those mysteries or more thrillers or like what genre would you do you think this would be categorized? Da Vinci as? Code came out in two thousand three, so pretty close. It could have been a zeitgeist, and this guy was able to like he was he had it in the works, but you know, gosh darn Dan Brown published just a hair sooner than. But this manuscript, perhaps. Well, Dan Brown, um, he had written Angels and Demons prior to Da Vinci Code That's in 2000. True. So, You're right. um, similar ish right. kind of discussion, I felt like. But I think, yeah, Da Vinci Code explicitly went over that paint, that, um, that Section. piece of art. Yeah. Um, I tend not, to be honest with you, I tend not to keep like a bunch of mysteries. Because I feel like once you read them, you're done. Like they don't have a lot of reread value, and for me, that's like the deciding factor. Hang on, I just I caught I caught a a glimpse. Um, it appears I have the first four books of the J.K. Rowling. Um, oh, I was I was still talking spin-off. about the so I wanted to check something real oh, quick. Yeah, Go sorry. back to it. So I feel like that was a very, it was a very popular book. This is also like early mid 2000s where things like kindle and ebooks weren't quite mainstream so people were buying physical copies of books Mm -hmm. it was pretty popular oh so there's like so many copies yeah and the film came out in a surplus and i think i don't recall if there's a specific scandal or something happened where like people had a change of opinion about the novel and they just didn't want to keep it anymore i cannot remember and terabang maybe remember um and so people were returning or giving away the books to like bookstores and stuff. And I remember I wonder if it's got that reread value thing I was saying. Like once you read it, the maybe. I mean I plots. reread it and I thought it yeah. was okay. I thought it was fine. Um, but that's just me, I guess. I know there was like a few like small bookstores that like explicitly had like signs outside their doors, <laughs> like we will not accept Da Vinci codes um anymore. Cause like, I guess they weren't even selling either. Um, yeah. But there I remember this... going to a couple like um, secondhand bookshops. Yeah, and they were, you know, and they had like clearance sales for the year, so that's probably like where this one came from. Um, but they had so, so, so many copies of Da Vinci Code and Twilight <laughs> because uh-huh. everyone had had their fill and they were returning them, you know, for whatever rate they could get because they're just so done with it. Gotcha. But interesting how the the trends go. But it came up again because a month ago, there's an artist by the name of David Shrigley, okay, who thought it was a funny idea 
to collect 6,000 unwanted copies of the Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. and kind of mush them together and put like a fake book cover on them. And mm-hmm. the, he made the book cover of him now read as George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> um, and he had this pop-up exhibit where like he like um, posted, you know, had all the books on display. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Open or like closed? Like to just show the cover. Closed. Yeah. So there's no way to tell that it's not mm-hmm. other than the Well, I think you the... could actually buy them or something, but Okay. Um Famously, um yeah. there was a bit on QI, like the British trivia show, where the um quizmaster asked, like, has anybody here read nineteen eighty four? And then a couple of people in like the panel and the audience raised their hands and uh, the quizmaster was like, well, a certain percentage of you is lying because like historically, like or like when people have been asked if they've read 1984, quite a few people will raise their hands to sound to seem erudite, but they haven't read 1984. But I think it's like the spirit of it has permeated so much through pop culture these days that it... Um, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of like Catch Twenty Two. Yeah, I don't think many people have read it, but they get understand the gist of it. Yeah, to become familiar enough to actually use the phrase, it's a Catch Twenty Two, or like it's been explained to them or something. Yeah, and people say like, oh, it's an Orwellian society, or like people. Yeah, it's some of the language you get the gist. Yeah. Um, that was required reading when I was in school. I think sometime in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That and Brave New World. So they were like, I think we were mm. in the same year. Um, and the previous year was Animal Farm. Was, mm. We read other books, but like those kind of like dystopian novel things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were pretty um, close in time. It was like, what have been maybe ninth and 10th grade? I think the class before me had brave new world and i was all set to go and read it um, for summer reading but then i think they changed it to white noise by don delillo so and that was also kind of okay. um i feel like with the, some dystopian books it feels like my brain is closing in which is the point like the it's meant yeah, to make you I feel that we bit... had a weird at least in my schooling kind of a weird emphasis on those uh, i felt like i was, agree too like it was started in middle school like i had to read um Gosh, The Giver? Yeah. The Giver was pretty early on. Monochromatic Society. Um, and I, it was just so much of those kind of books. It was like, are we trying to tell us something? Or I, or like, see, it's like, oh, see. like Retrospectively. You're, you're, you're in a standardized it's... school program, but like be an individual. And you're like, okay, but I still need to pass like the SAT to yeah, get yeah, yeah, into yeah. university admissions or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I felt like it was a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. without like being clear of like what the intent was mm-hmm. i mean i like the books i mean it was it was interesting but it was like why are we drilling this so hard mm-hmm. it, it almost kind of folded in on itself where we had to analyze these books that are about dystopian societies and rising against whatever i kind of wish we we had a little more foray into like some of the more classical pieces of literature like not just like a dip into Pride and Prejudice, but like you know maybe explore a little bit more Shakespeare, a little more Dickens, a little more you know like oh I had a lot of those the other authors I feel like I had a lot of more uh, 
modern authors. Oh, I did a ton of Shakespeare, Bronte sisters. Yeah. Dickens. That would have been nice, I think. Tom Sawyer, like... um. Oh, yeah, we did Mark Twain. Mark Twain stuff. Give me another genre. Cookie Cookbook. Michelle, what kind of cookbook? Okay. I have... <laughs> Uh, I have a couple. Um, a cookbook about appetite, like party party dishes, like appetizers and shareable dishes. I don't think I have dishes. an appetizer specific one. I think I have them by culture. Okay. Argentina. Sorry, no. <laughs> You've stopped me there. Now I have to go like look Scandinavian for pickled pickled. I do have a Scandinavian cookbook. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm that's why. That's why I assume I'm not going to run through all these different regions, and you're not going to get it. Yeah, because uh, I, I tell you, I do know Stephanie. If you've been listening, yeah, she's interested in trying to learn uh, how, to, how to speak Norwegian, and she talks about Kago a lot and um, Puge a lot. So I thought that was a fair bet, and I know she just she just she just stepped away to go fetch the book. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if you're involved too much with and have a lot of cookbooks. I have some, but I tend to just identify a recipe randomly off the fly. I'm fortunately live really close to several food markets. So I can easily uh, buy supplies. And so I can usually on the day of, of like, I want to cook this dish and I just can go to the store that day and then make it right at home instead of having to really plan ahead. So uh, I tend to just look up recipes I found it. Great of the of the internet. Oh, she found it. Okay, so she's okay. Um, here is the book. It is oh, called why? "Authentic Norwegian Cooking" by Astrid Carlson Scott. Sounds very Scandinavian. Yeah. Where? How did you um, get it? Where did you get it? Online. There is a place called Abe Books, and they do fantastic um, secondhand books, books and like textbooks so as cheap. well. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, like, I've never gotten a book that is, like, in terrible condition. Um, although I know you can filter, like, good, very good, falling apart. And I've not really done the falling apart option if the others were available for similar price. Mm-hmm. So, we'll open to a random page. Or did you have any particular food in mind? No, please. Um, There is a... There's one called A Red Secret. And uh, I think it's pronounced Rod Hemle Hiet. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was, when you stepped away, I was talking to Interabang. I was like, remi- like refreshing, m- reminding them, like, oh, by the way, Stephanie's like trying to learn Norwegian. And it's just enough. And then here you go, like, pronouncing, having pronunciations. Hemle Hiet, I think. Okay. Um, there is indeed a secret hidden within this red Christmas dessert. Yes, it does take a little time, but it is not difficult. Your guests will long remember the moose hidden inside and the effort you I'm made. I'm sorry, can you, can you, so it's a, you're speaking a little bit fast for me. So a Christmas oh, yeah. dessert? That's what it seems like. I'm reading a Christmas dessert and, yes. and, and what is hidden inside moose? Moose, yes. Okay. And the effort, and so your guests will long remember the moose hidden inside, like moose, M-O-U-S-S-E, not, not the, the animal. animal moose, yes. Um, and the effort you made in their behalf. The dessert should be started a day in advance and finished the morning of your party. You'll need two bowls, a seven cup and four cup size in the same shape that fit inside each other. And it sounds like it's got 
strawberry jello, vanilla sugar, water, whipping cream, strawberries, vanilla sauce, and more gelatin. So I think you're making a jello around this mousse. Okay. And it's kind of in a dome shape. It's got a, it's like a picture with it or something? Yes, there is a picture, I think. Actually, that may be the strawberry compote. Nope. That is the the jello. It's a domed jello with, with mousse, mousse inside. inside. Yes. And the flavors are what? Strawberry jello and vanilla. Oh, and then you can have a couple like actual strawberries inside as well. Sounds nice. Yeah. It's pretty pleasant. Um flip into another page. Oh, we're in the cheese section with my favorite cheese of all. Jarlsberg cheese. Have you heard of Jarlsberg? Have I talked about Jarlsberg cheese on this before? I don't think so. Oh, Jarlsberg cheese is a Nor- it's a Swiss style of Norwegian cheese. Mm-hmm. It's kind of subtly nut- nutty. Okay. And uh, it's great. Yes. Okay. It says this distinguished world-like cheese is of a soft, pliable texture and has a mild nut-like flavor, making it excellent for cooking and in salads. So. Uh, it sounds like the cheese was originally from a Jarlsberg estate, the namesake, um, kind of like near Oslo Fjord. Okay. And uh, let's I'm trying to summarize here. So they, during the early 1800s, they um, it was really expensive to import stuff from Holland, so um, they started to produce stuff in Jarlsberg instead. Um, and there is a professor from the Norway Agricultural School who tried to make this thing, and he set out to um, put the cheese on market in the early 1960s. So he succeeded, and everyone loves the cheese now. (laughs) Cheese experts worldwide have searched for the secret but so far in vain. So there is some secret involved. Um, the Jarlsberg is made into 22.5 pounds, like 10 kilo round wheels with rind and rind-free cheeses. And foremost, it is a marvelous party and sandwich cheese, but lends itself remarkably well to warm cheese dishes. And that's it. Jarlsberg cheese. It's quite sweet. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... That's lovely I mean, for sharing. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't dare to eat 10 kilos of... Uh, Especially at a social oh. event. <laughs> Be mindful of that. <laughs> yeah. I think it seems like this is very much for when you have friends and family to share Yeah, that's what with, it seems like. Um, rather than They seem like, like fun dishes. Like little kind of, yeah, like definitely conversation dishes that are actually tasty, not like, what yeah. is that? Some of them are like traditional cakes. Like I've I've been watching or listening to some um, Norwegian podcasts or YouTube videos, mm-hmm. radio shows, and they do make reference to like Christmas cake, Christmas bread is yulekaka. Okay. Like you, like, like, you know how we say yule log or something? Right. But it's like spelled with a J and kaka is K-A-K-E because that's... Okay. Scandinavian for cake. So yeah. Fun stuff. Thank you for and 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 with that we conclude this session. <laughs> what's 
What's on Stephanie's desk? Book Stephanie's book corner. Book corner there. That's fine. No, that's I like that. No, we Perhaps might do that again. We can resume and pick it up another day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when we do actually have some songs. Stephanie thought it would be good to add a few songs as we as we do on every episode. Um, I think this one was a fun. I liked her idea a lot. Um, so as you know, we create a Spotify playlist for each episode, and we put that, and it's all on our same like profile these different playlists and i think like we talked i think it was like a year ago when we talked about um oh my gosh what's the spotify end of your thing wrapped uh, spotify, spotify wrapped. wrapped yeah we talked about like the results we had and like stephanie also has a personal spotify account so we talked about the results of, of that as well um so as you know spotify has many features like that with putting those things together but also giving like song suggestions based on what you're listening to what your playlist consists of so uh, her idea today was um, within our um, what about Spotify account it's there was a set of recommended playlists called top playlists or something I, like that I, I looked at daily mixes or like made for you made for you yes yeah, so there's a suggested like playlist and they had different they were titles that Spotify had made up of different kind of topics per se and so her and I like clicked through some of these uh, within some of the playlist, within the playlist were some of the actual songs we recommended over the course of all sixty episodes. Uh, but sometimes it was like maybe uh, other songs by like the same artists or just some different artists, um, but like related kind of thing. So someone you might like or something. Right? Exactly. So we picked a few. Um, each of us picked a few songs. Um, some we know and some we don't. So I think we'll just kind of. We did we, we did a quick listen to them all like this is nice or this 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 sounds just to make sure there is no like swear words or anything uh <laughs> yeah. you know like offensive in them um so i clicked through a random one daily mm-hmm. mix number six um and the first one that caught my eye was something called not a chauffeur and i'm like what is this um i and it's by jeff beal uh it is from the house of cards oof um like the the tv show's music soundtrack Hmm. and i don't know it's kind of it's it's i'd categorize it as like suspenseful thriller but like um you feel like you're plotting or like there's some plotting going on Mm -hmm. and it's it's a nice tune just to kind of listen to if you're commuting or Mm. just like puttering around you're like aha i have i have purpose (laughs) you know okay i like that um and the second one is it's similarly quite purposeful but i think it's got a little bit of a jaunty edge to it it's called escape from east berlin by daniel pemberton this is from one of my favorite movies um the man from uncle the guy Ritchie version also did the soundtracks for spider-man like across yes. uh, the spider-verse the two uh-huh. films yes 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 he's great um yeah. and this one i think it's like the open opening song um to the movie and there's like a lot of pan flutes going on which is like it feels very strange because it's the movies originally set in east berlin and like it's very european and then all of a sudden you get these like pan flutes which you would think are like south american kind of vibes or um something so it it goes well it it's amazing and you're like oh spy mode engaged mm-hmm. so um I, I found that one quite fun um, the third one I found also from Daily Mix number six um, was a succession and title theme um, by Nicholas Bertel, specifically the piano and cello variation. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the show Succession. It is another political thriller like uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe not political, but it's it's about like this this huge family, like a, di- like a dynasty family. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like the the children are trying to succeed their father, and you know, there's a whole thing about it. Um, and they're did, all did, vying. Did, did for... Nicholas Bertel also do the opening? theme i know that's also yeah famous. yeah okay. yeah i think we might have mentioned that that's why it's mm-hmm. probably so. in here yeah. um and so this is for the closure of season one so not everything has been resolved but it's a good enough point i think um so the f- the opening theme is very suspenseful and you know like oh stuff is about to go down mm. and the end title is like okay stuff has happened it's time for a breather it's the denouement you know like you can chill, relax, take a break. And uh, stuff has been resolved for now. So it's just very calming, kind of like um, wiping the sweat off your brow after all that mm-hmm. suspense. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice one. Like when you finish your chores, listen to this one. Um, like yeah. Those are all, that's a good uh, range. It's a good range, yeah. And it sounds like you're somewhat actually familiar with aspects of aspects of the songs like or the context of the songs you know i didn't intend on like i hadn't seen house of cards for many many years before this podcast even started Uh uh-huh so i don't really know i mean other than spotify is like oh you like this type of music perhaps so like i vaguely remember what Mm. the the setup for them are but yeah love that um I will go next. I have uh, five songs. They were all pulled from a Spotify made playlist called like, 2010s. Okay. Music, music from the 2010s it was. Okay. I didn't know what to expect, but it's literally all kinds of music that was made in the 2010s. All it's genres. Variety. So yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I feel like typically when you hear like 2010s or 2010s, uh 2000 like it's like a top hits of but that's not this was but still really neat um so some of the songs like i said were from our previous playlist but some are related so i selected um i uh the suburbs by archive fire uh, i believe we've used songs from them but i've never heard this song before i really liked it it's kind of pensive kind of melancholy and i like the title um kind of felt like um returning home in a bit like your childhood home i know we've done um the ed sheeran song is it not castle on the hill is it castle on the hill oh perfect castle on the hill he talks about like his old friends and stuff yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. i felt like it kind of it doesn't sound the same but like the similar story sentiment a little nostalgic Mm -hmm. yeah uh and i was also thinking about arcade fire recently this week because i was telling a friend about um the film eternal sunshine the spotless mind and they did i think most of the soundtrack for that and it's really nice Nice. Um, so I will look. I will listen more to that song. The second is "Work Song" by Hozier. We've mm. done quite a bit of his music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kind of the podcast now. I think at this rate, pretty much. I think so. Yeah, we may have actually mentioned this song, but if not, I like it. Um, I've mentioned that I do circus and aerial performance, not professionally, but like amateur level. And uh, I like this song because one of my one of my close friends, um, she did a performance to the song. So and I kind of helped her. I picked the song for her because she was like she was describing what she wanted sound wise. And I was like, this would be perfect. It's like a real steady 
mm-hmm. salient beat. And when you're doing aerial performances, like it's unlike dance where you have to factor in a lot more time to transition because you're like moving your body and hoisting yourself up or something. So it's a, this song fits so well. Says also she tends she likes to move more slowly and steadily, and it just fit her style of movement so well um, with very little effort on her part to match it. So. I have a good memory of like listening to this song over and over, like helping her build out her routine and, and whatnot. So happy memories there. And I really, it's a very, it feels like you're like crackling fire place. Feels mm-hmm. cozy. It's got that lovely warmth around it. Yes. in a very beautiful build. Yes. His voice is like echoing through the chambers and it, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, next I have a song, um, Futile Devices, the Dove Men remix. By I might be mispronouncing this. Sufjan, Sufjan, Stevens, Sufjan, Sufjan, perhaps. Um, they did a lot of the soundtrack for the film "Call Me by Your Name." It's kind mm. of an ethereal, um, uh, oh, um, ethereal sound. Is it like um, vocal etherealness? Similar like to Simon and Garfunkel. It's like a modern version of Simon and Garfunkel. I might, okay. That might be a hot take, but that's how it kind of sounds like. A more modern ethereal version of that. Um, kind of like the the whispering of male male voices kind of thing. Um, and I didn't really, couldn't appreciate the remix version. I hadn't heard that song too much before, but um, I do I do like how... Um, yeah again kind of goes back to like the sense of nostalgia that the arcade fire song was embodying the so you've next... heard this remix before i had it I, i'd seen the film i listened to the film soundtrack but it has it's been a while what so... does the remix add to it i couldn't tell feel? i didn't okay. listen to it enough, okay but... okay no worries i don't see it being like a hard style remix or like okay. going into like intense dove stuff that would be oh yeah, yeah, yeah no i was just wondering like what you thought it would add but no worries i'd the imagine like us will figure it out i'd imagine it'd be a little bit like layering like subtle remix like some like okay. layering of the vocals and oh nice or something maybe okay okay my next two um so the next one is chalkboard by johan johansson who did uh, a lot of the soundtrack for the film Theory of Everything. Ooh, okay. About Stephen Hawking, and I really like that. And um, I know in the last episode with our friend Gabriel, we talked about um, the Oppenheimer soundtrack. So I felt it was kind of similar to some some aspects um, in terms of like the type of film, like historical about a, a scientist in kind of like the mid 1900s or so, and you know drilling through intense theory to solve these uh, gargantuan uh, issues and questions about the universe. The last one I have to recommend is called Anchor by Novo Amor. Never heard of this song, never heard of this group, but I felt it was a nice a nice ending song for my section at least. Um, this was still in the 2010s All in section. the 2010s playlist. So Interesting. I'm going to be going back to that. That is quite a variety. Yeah, and but I guess they were all technically released in the 2010. So, <laughs> um, it seemed that they were picking up a lot of like our our playlists about soundtracks and some of those artists who def- we've definitely mentioned. So, I I, I liked it. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, my next two, they feel a little bit like a fever dream. 
And that's why I thought we should end on these two. Well, I like that you brought these back because we talked about it so long ago. It's like one of our earlier episodes. Yeah, I feel like it's been so long that it's it's allowed to be cool again. <laughs> you know, um, so the penultimate one is Double Trouble, Tiesta's Euro 90s tribute remix. Um, and in Terabank, you may be wondering, what is this Double Trouble um, I, I don't even know if this is a real song to begin with, but is it, do you know, Michelle? Is it, is I think, this this a real is, I think song? both these songs are for the movie. Okay, I wasn't sure if Double Trouble was like an original song and then they like, I don't believe something so. Else. Okay, okay. So this, the movie is the Eurovision, um, is it like the Fire and Ice Saga or something? It was like um, a parody, somewhat of a parody comedy film about. I love this movie. It is a great yeah. movie with, with Will Ferrell, um, Will and, Ferrell Rachel and Rachel McAdams. McAdams. Yes, and um, I don't think Rachel McAdams sang the girl part. I think that was my Marianne, and okay. um, I think uh, before we had called out like their Iceland song uh, that was like at the opening of the of the episode or of the of the movie. This one I don't remember where the tribute where the 90s thing came from but mm-hmm. you know it's it's it very much in the spirit of eurovision where everything's just kind of like very boppy very catchy it okay. felt kind of quite uh is it abba-esque or that's the next one yeah okay. oh, I didn't, oh yeah this one was abba-esque yeah i didn't listen to the next one okay the next one i'd say it's a different type of abba-esque but also like a mix of like old folklore sort of like everyone cheers around in like a pub um, and everyone knows the words of the song because it's quite simple. Um, it's called Ya Ya Ding Dong. <laughs> and um, Will Ferrell and my Marianne kind of they both sang this, but at the end of the movie, everyone sings it because it's such a such a tune. So catchy, even though <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. nonsensical. Ding dong. Um, yeah, so it's great. Um, and I thought that would be kind of a nice one to end this uh, episode out with. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, very cute, very very cute and very fun. Thanks for hanging out with us in Turbing. Um, yeah, I don't know. We just wanted to have, like Stephanie said, like a a lighter kind of uh, more spontaneously planned episode for beginning of the year. Um, mm-hmm. just to just to let you know where we're at. <laughs> um, but uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a good start to the year, a good season. Um, always a lot of momentum and excitement for change or new beginnings and whatnot. So. Hope it's going well for you, uh, Stephanie, as well. Sending that out to you. But uh, yeah, have a have a good rest of your day, good rest of your week, your evening, wherever you're at, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.